What's going on? You all right? Yeah, I just need to take a day off. I feel so burnt out at the moment. Yeah, right. Oh, man. I just cancelled all my shit for today, so... I just, like, woke up this morning and I was just like, fuck, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. I've never heard you like this. Yeah, I feel, like, at my limit. I just need a day off. A unicorn in business is a privately owned startup company valued at over $1 billion. We're Ben and Joel. We believe every human deserves access to a world-class education. And our tech startup, Vigo, is trying to make that a reality. Now, we're not from Silicon Valley. In fact, we're from the opposite side of the world, Australia. We have a billion dollar vision and we need to launch into the US in 12 months. In many ways, the odds are stacked against our startup, but we've just been given a miracle. The number one business coach in the world, Matt Mashari, has just agreed to coach us for one year. Matt's not your usual coach, and we're not your usual founders. This is the story of that year, raw and unfiltered. Episode 5, Personal Habits. Chapter 1, Matt Mashari and the great CEO within. So personal habits, I don't know, it's, it's funny. It didn't make complete sense to me when I started a business book to start with like a, a personal self-development book. But it was just a, Matt's a, whole approach is about improving yourself, getting yourself to the standard that you need to be at. So one of the things that jumped out to me when first reading about Matt was that personal habits was such a big part of his approach to business. Okay, it's five o'clock. Time to record. First things first, I gotta brush my teeth. Hey, Kiwi. Hello. See you soon. Go to the cafe and do half an hour of professional development reading. All right. Driving down to the beach. I find the ocean just a, I guess, like super calming presence. And just being around, it's just super nice. If you want to get the most out of your business, you need to get the most out of yourself. And that's where Matt focuses. Get that right and then everything will follow. <laughs> There's so much stress and challenge and growth and uncomfortability required when, when you're running a business and growing a business. And if you're not operating at the peak version of yourself, if you're not in a good space and, and healthy and mentally fit, it can crush you. you. You can, the whole day feels shit. The problems seem insurmountable. If you're not right, nothing you deal with is right. Joel pointed out to me yesterday that I looked like I had reached my end and I needed a break. I think a bunch of shit is just catching up with me. There's a pizza box on my desk. There's five different mugs of coffee. There's just notes scribbled all over my desk. Looking at this, Something's definitely up. <laughs> that message has just come through time after time with Matt about how important looking after yourself is. I was and I am really obsessed with planning every minute of my life. When I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed, my time is organized. And I think for new people, that can actually be something that's pretty difficult to understand and to come to grips with. And I know that when Ash, our chief of staff started, she actually found this a pretty big culture shock. 
Ben and Joel implement so many tactics and processes to ensure that they're organizing themselves. And I was confronted by it at first when I was told best option for me before starting the role is to read a book called Getting Things Done that tells me how to get my whole life in order. I've even had an argument with Joel about whether getting things done is appropriate outside a work context. And he is adamant that that is the ultimate way to live your life. And I'm adamant that getting things done is not the purpose of life. That might be the purpose of work, but definitely not outside of those hours. And I think it's impressive, but it's also not flawless. I've seen both of them fall out of sync with their task management systems. And I've seen the stresses that can also cause. And so I don't think it is the answer to life, like Ben and Joel might think, that it is the ultimate way to design your life. But I do see it as being an extremely valuable tool to use. But Matt really paints the picture that it's not about time management, it's about energy management. And the first step to having energy is you and your health. And that's your physical health and it's your mental health. The first third of Matt's book is all about you and your energy and getting that to the place where you have as much energy as possible to then be putting into the business. Chapter two, the mythical line and how to stay above it. The line actually comes from a book that Matt summarizes in his book uh, called Conscious Leadership. And essentially the idea here is that at any one time you are either above the line or you are below the line. And above the line is that you are in a positive and resourceful and curious state. And below the line is that you are the opposite of that. You are not resourceful, you're in a negative headspace. And you can't expect everybody to be above the line all the time, that's not possible. But as you start to think about it more and more, you just recognize where you are at. Then the next part of the teaching is all about, well, how do you, how do you take yourself back to that above the line state? Because you know, above the line is where you get shit done. The next thing is thinking about what's actually going on here, what's feeding into this. Is it my mental state? Is it some other context? Is it, is it the way I'm thinking about this? Whatever, is it something that I'm feeling? The third step is then to feel the feelings. We bottle up a lot of feelings all the time, you know, just oh, tuck that away, dig that down, I'll feel that one later, maybe if I have the time. You know, Joel and I used to talk a lot about just be a robot, just get it done. <laughs> it, yeah, that's not healthy, it comes out at some end. So you gotta feel the feelings. If you feel anger, sweet. Go feel anger for a bit, go break some stuff, throw something at a wall, go punch something, not, not something living. <laughs> like, Put on a sad song, feel sad, that's good. What drives us below the line? It's, it's not anything individually, really. It's just a culmination of a bunch of small shit that never would bring you below the line. But some examples of things have been like my family situation for a long time without me even realizing it was just dragging me down. And like Ben said, bottle that up, put that away. It's still there. It's hanging you down. So just stresses at work, running out of money. That is always a really bad one. It always makes you feel like shit in your your whole life, not just at work. That comes home with you. You definitely feel very below the line. 
What's going on? You all right? Yeah, I just need to take a day off. I feel so burnt out at the moment. Yeah, right. Oh, man. Yeah. You were going to do, dude. I just cancelled all my shit for today, so... I just, like, woke up this morning and I was just like, fuck, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. And, like, literally, like, anything else I was just trying to do today, I was just like, why is this so hard to do anything? It is, dude. I've never heard you like this. Yeah, I feel like... At my limit, I just need a day off. Once you've felt the feeling, then you need to transition your state into a positive state. So that could be something like going for a quick run. Joel likes to jump on his trampoline. Actually, we both do. Or in the ice bath. In the ice bath, that's another one. Meditation, therapy. Joel, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm off to my first therapist session. Oh, nice, dude. Yeah. I'm keen to get your kind of take on it. My experience was I really wanted them to leave me because that's what I was craving, but they really just left it up to my own device, which like felt like a bit of work, and I didn't think I was enjoying it. But then when the hour up, I was like, what, no, don't finish. I'd be keen to get a therapist that actually like specializes in working with, with business executives. Yeah. Because it just stresses and fucking breadth of shit we have to deal with is pretty intense. <laughs> Matt Mashari recommends that whether you think you need a therapist or not, get one. I think I'm mostly excited. I'm a little bit scared about what might come up. <laughs> There's some unknown unknowns about my childhood or, or about work or about my relationships. But at the same time, I'm ex... I'm, I'm excited that if something negative comes up, that addressing that, be it painful or not, will likely lead to a much better existence for me. So I do acknowledge that I get into moments of high stress and concern and fear. Probably that I sometimes, you know, I do have a, I guess, a fear on whether my, um, my love of, of Vigo and, and what we're doing there sometimes means that I prioritize work more than my, myself and my family and my most valuable relationships and, and the things that I value most in my life and I know I'll care most about on my deathbed. So I guess I do have that fear. <laughs> um, anyway, I think I'm shortcutting what my therapy session's gonna be about. So let's do it. Let's see what daddy issues I have. <laughs> we are so fucking good at picking each other when we are below the line now. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. It's getting to the point now where like, we can not only recognize it in each other, but we immediately hear exactly what Matt would say to us in that moment too, <laughs> like, which is great. Chapter three, joy, not fear. One of our investors said to me once, this was like 2018, we had like no money left. Joel was applying to work for Uber Eats. Stephen was going back to his bank job. And I had like just a couple of months just to find somebody to fund us to keep going. I was living in so much fear and 
one of our um, now investors, he said to me, he's like, the one, number one thing you need to remember when you talk to investors, there is no deodorant for desperation. And that is very honest advice, but I tell you what, it doesn't, it doesn't bring you above the line. <laughs> it, it actually drives you further below the line, but it is true. Like living out of fear, it's not only bad for you and your health and your company, it actually, it's a repellent to other people. They want someone who's got such a passionate vision and a huge vision that they just want to throw money at you just to be part of that ride. They want to be on your ship. It doesn't just benefit you to get out of that place of fear and, and live from a place of joy and curiosity. It actually, it benefits everybody else and it attracts customers, it attracts investors, it attracts employees, it, it attracts opportunity. It's so hard to get there though. For so long, we were so frequently just being driven by fear. And fear, you can get stuff done when you're scared. You definitely can. Is it your best work? Definitely not. Are you going to make good decisions? Almost definitely not. You know, as a founder, there are so many fires all the time that it's really easy to just slip into a default mode of my job is to beat the thing that's going to kill me next. And Matt, Matt calls us out on this. At the core of my coaching is the concept that fear and anger give bad advice. And I find the key is to recognize when people are in fear and anger and if they are, shift them out of it. Um, because we can't perceive ourselves to be in fear and anger, but we can easily perceive others to be. And so I just perceive, and if they're in fear and anger, I have whatever they're thinking they should do, it's almost always the wrong thing to do. Almost always the right thing or the best thing is to do the exact opposite or simply do nothing until they're no longer in fear and anger, in which case then they can be clear thinking. Now you may say, well, Matt, that sounds great. I believe all that, but how the heck do I know when I'm in fear or anger? Because usually what happens is when I get angry, I just act and I only realize it much, much later. And then I go, oh man, I shouldn't have done that, but it's way too late. That is the big challenge. And so there's two methods that I know of. One is to meditate daily for years and years and years, or you can simply outsource the function. You can simply ask the people around you to let you know when they perceive you to be in anger or fear. This is much easier, but it's also important that they use the right words. I have gone through this exercise many times, and my wife has said, you're in anger. And I seem to just get feel more anger when I hear that. And finally, we hit upon a phrase that seems to work. She now says, I perceive you to be in anger. And that doesn't threaten me, that doesn't trigger me. And for whatever reason, I then am able to hear that and I immediately step out, stop what I'm doing and wait till I've shifted out, out of anger before I act. We've really changed from building a business to prevent dying, to building the world we want to live in. And it just changes the way you think about things. Small shit just doesn't matter anymore. It just really doesn't fucking matter anymore. Really, the way we think now is is about impact and, and changing the world. And, and, and we just had forgotten that for so many years because we were constantly in fear, because we were constantly on the brink of death. And that's a really shit place to be. But being in a, in a state of joy lets you just make good decisions from a place of happiness. Chapter four the relationship method. 
one of the things that can bring you the most joy and keep you above the line and keep you going in the right direction is building great productive relationships. That could be with investors, customers, staff, even competitors, anyone. It's something that's really important to Matt and he brings it up all the time. It's important because good relationships with people that you actually care about feed you with positive energy. You can build a relationship and not actually care about the person. Yes, definitely. That's possible, but it's going to be a weak relationship. The hard truth is that to build a great relationship, you actually have to genuinely care about the other person. If you can genuinely care about the other person, then it will not only be easy, it will not only be powerful, but you'll actually just love it. Like, how good is talking to someone that you're actually interested in? And and I think the big philosophy of Vigo, one of the reasons we started is that we had this core belief that every single human in the world has inherent value and every single person in the world knows something that you don't. You just have to find out what that thing is. And it's just a matter of time. And when Ben and I came into Vigo, we didn't have business experience or coding experience or a lot of the experiences that we needed we just kept honing one skill, which was building relationships. And we didn't actually realize what we were doing until we were in a room with Matt. And we looked around thinking, how did this even happen? For a long time, Ben and I didn't realize what we were doing until Matt pointed it out to us. You guys are already masters at this because you, you did it to me. And you, and, you, and you did it to me better than anyone's ever done it to me in my life. There, there is yeah. no way, I mean, Coinbase just went public today at $100 billion. That, those, are the, those are the CEOs that I coach. There is no reason I should be spending this time with you guys. The only reason I'm doing it is because I like you. That's it. And you made me like you, and you made it happen in an incredibly short period of time. So I'm not even going to try to, like, yeah, I'm not going to try to convince you of this. You, you guys already have the evidence, and you already have the skill. And we realized, like, that is our superpower. That really actually is our zone of genius. It's that building relationships with people. It doesn't matter who they are. That's our target. Building relationships is so powerful to bringing people along the journey and making them want to do the things that you also want to do. That sometimes it's actually, it's too powerful. And people do things that are actually not a good idea for you or for them. And no one's just really thought it through. It's a powerful weapon that should not be wielded lightly. Chapter five, have clear goals for yourself and your team. One of the best ways to build constructive relationships, particularly within Vigo itself, is to have really clear goals for everyone, from the founders right down the chain. One of our biggest issues for a long time is that Ben and I didn't know what we did and what we did different to one another. Having clear goals and having Matt help us understand where we both could add value and making a really clear depiction of what we were in charge of allowed us to move twice as fast because we weren't going over the same ground. Then we started to think, we actually haven't done this for the people in our team either. And that's a really kind of fucked up thing to do because you have these extremely high expectations of people and then they're working really hard and they're not meeting your expectations because you've never made that clear with people. So we started to learn how important this was for people and and how you could actually move people out of fear and, and, and into a place of joy when you told them what was expected of them and worked that through with them. And then we started to, to do that. We started to see people just radically exceeding those goals as well because they knew what was, what was expected of them. So it ended up being one of the, the biggest changes we could make. 
when you don't know what your responsibility is and you don't know what the person next to you's responsibility is, what ends up happening is you are holding on to all of that anxiety in your head and they are probably as well. So when you just spend the time to spell it out on paper and chat it out, hey, I'm gonna do this and you're gonna do that, what it then means is that now you both have twice as much mental capacity just to go and get your thing done. You can trust that the person next to you is gonna get their thing done. It's crazy, probably like pre-mat, Joel and I would be speaking almost like five to six times a day. Uh, Post-mat, we actually have to find more excuses to make sure that we are working together because we're actually really good when we do collaborate. Uh, but it's a really special time as opposed to like, oh shit, I've got this decision. Joel, can you help me make this decision? It's honestly like one of the best parts about doing Vigo is those, that time. Yeah, I'd certainly say like the better we get at our jobs, it's just way more fun. Because yeah, we get to just be creative and above the line and just dream up even bigger shit. I'm Stephen. I'm the a co-founder and chief architect at Vigo. In the past, the amount of times I just like, wanted to quit and couldn't take it anymore and felt like I was going to have like a mental breakdown was like, yeah, crazy. One of the big things I remember like writing notes about and being like, let's get together and we'll discuss ideas with everyone in the company and what we're going to do. Let's take those actions, turn them into cards, put the people on them who are accountable to it and then make sure they get done. And now like we're, we're implementing that. I'm actually like probably more energized about Vigo now than I've ever been. We've built the foundations of an amazing team. We have a really good and really like clear path of where we're going now. And we have really good processes in place to make sure we're building the right stuff and we're building the best stuff that we possibly can. Everyone seems super pumped for what we're working on and where we're headed. I actually love the way we work together now because there's just always been like a never ending well of trust. And I don't think that will ever change. Chapter six, form an obsession with your customer. And just a reminder, this is about personal habits and how to make you a successful leader. It's not just about the business itself, it's all about you as a founder and keeping your energy high and keeping you above the line. It's pretty easy in startup to start viewing your customers like somewhat the enemy. You know, you're trying to beat the enemy, you know, get them to sign, get them to uh, come on board, get them to do things. But that's such like a negative attitude and it just drains energy from you. You know, very similar to relationships, the more you just develop genuine interest in your customer and, you know, take it to the level of obsession, it just makes every single interaction um, that you get with them just so much better. Suddenly you're Sherlock Holmes and you're just trying to get them to talk as much as possible and explain all the things that they, that they want to do, but all the things that hold them back from doing that. And you just pull it out of them and you start to see the patterns and you, you start to see, hey, I, I can solve that. I can make that bit. And you know, pre-mat, we have lost that deeper love for our customers. I still think we had some great relationships, but Matt really pointed it out to us that we needed to get way back to the fundamentals of loving our customer, loving the things that they're trying to achieve, and yeah, finding out what's holding them back. We always cared deeply about the end user and the students we were helping, but we'd forgotten that, that we were partnering with other people to make that happen. And Matt really helped us see that clearly to the point that in the way we, we have metrics on our company is that it's about having friendships with our customers. It's not about number of meetings or anything like that. It's about how many people do we have genuine friendships with because we want to have 
a, such a good understanding of these people and, and what their problems are and, and how we can make a difference. It needs to be genuine empathy and genuine care for these people. So that's it. Matt's core principles for having a better you and a better company. And if you're wondering how strictly we actually managed to follow Matt's advice. You guys are almost a little bit too good to be true in that <laughs> everything I recommend you do. First, you're like, oh my God, that sounds crazy. Then you do it. And then later you come back and go, oh my God, Matt, that was incredible. That was amazing. And it's really awesome. It's fun to see, but I want to make sure that you are also telling me about the things that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. And talking about things that didn't work, next week we'll be looking into pitches. Your pitch isn't working. Your story isn't working. And it's not that your business isn't working. It's the way you're telling it. I watched your pitch. I was completely and utterly uncompelled. And then, and then towards the end, you said, yeah, and we're like, we've been in this for three years and we've got, you know, we're ramping two to three. It's like, oh my God, you've actually got a real business. The way you described it, sounded like two guys who are sitting on a couch pie in the sky and have no, have never talked to a customer before. If you're enjoying this podcast, subscribe in your app of choice so you don't miss out. There's a new episode every two weeks. The Unicorn Launcher is a Lower Street production. 